Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Sprinkler Nerd Show. I'm your host, Andy Humphrey, and this is episode number 18. On today's show, we are going to replay or repurpose some content that was recorded earlier in the week on a baseline Tech Talk Tuesday. So every week on Tuesday at 1 p.m., myself, Chris Wright, Dan Conger, and occasionally a third guest goes live on Zoom, and we talk for 30 minutes about a unique industry, either solution, capability, uh, or just an overall general tech talk about irrigation technology. So on today's episode, we're going to repurpose the show from earlier this week, where we talk about basic networking and some things to look for, and perhaps a couple of reasons why a controller could go offline, etc. So hope you enjoy it. And if you are interested to join us on any future Tuesday, you can register for the live Zoom events by visiting BaselineTechTalk.com. Again, that's BaselineTechTalk.com. You can sign up there and join us live each week, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. So without further ado, let's jump right in. If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. Welcome, everybody. According to Dan, this is episode six of Baseline Tech Talk Tuesday. Today, we're going to talk about networking in its uh, essentially most basic form. Uh, we're not going to go too into the weeds, but we're going to speak to the networking basics and some things to look for when your controller is not connected. And before we get going, I want to make sure we introduce the team to some of you who this could be your first time with us. We've got Chris Wright, VP of Sales, on call today. Dan Conger, our national training manager, and Frankie in support, and Andy Humphrey, RSM for the Northeast. So welcome, everybody. I'm going to kick it over to Dan to get us going today. Fantastic. Um, today, we, we're going to be, like as Andy mentioned, we're going to talk about networking and kind of demystifying, changing, uh, showing some of the things that, that might rent, you might rent in a network or, or some options. I'm going to share my screen and show you what I have. Actually, before I do that, I need to fix something. So on our networking, pardon me while I fix this. I'm gonna share my networking. There we go. So I think that the, the question that I think is always good to answer anytime we talk about anything technical or, or any product is about why why we want to do it what's what's in it for me and i think the good question to answer is why do we want to network controllers what's the significance of that one well i'd say the primary one is that remote access so that ability to get to app manager and base manager from any connected device from any anything with a secure browser we want to be able to get in and we can't do that if we aren't networked we also want to be able to have that mobile control and that mobile control could be, you know, a phone, a tablet, but anything out in the field, anywhere where you are, we want to be able to operate, manage and run our, our irrigation systems. 
we want to be able to connect with other devices. So the other devices besides a controller might be a substation or a flow station to, to move all that data around. And then we ultimately, we want to have access to the data. So that data allows us to make better decisions and to manage our system properly and to, and to do more with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just Dan, I'll, I'll chime in here as a reminder, we're not going to go into it today, but some of the types of data that we can use to make decisions include the soil moisture data, the flow sensing data, uh, pressure data, temperature data, and you know, accessing these controllers remotely through a network gives us access to that type of data that we can use to make better decisions with. Right, because data that's just sitting out in the field or isolated in the controller, we want to, that doesn't really help us that much. We want to be able to move it around and do other things with it. So this was a, a, a screen that we were looking at earlier in, in some of the controllers in your region. And we've got these three or four controllers that are gray. And um, gray is never something that I'd like to see. Uh, green, green means we're, we're connected, but this gr- these gray controllers are offline. So I don't have access to them. So there's something going on with networking with these. Now, my controller in my office was disconnected earlier and we see right that uh, base manager is yellow. It's not green. So my controller was not connected to the network. So the question is, why is it not connected? Well, there's a couple of reasons, a couple of reasons, but before we answer that question of why is it not connected or before we start trying to sleuth that out, we have to kind of know how it's connected to the network. So there's really two categories of networks. First one is a local area network or sometimes called a LAN. Typically that's with an ethernet cable or via Wi-Fi. And the other type of a network is a third party network and typically a cell modem. And with baseline, we can use AT&T or Verizon. So, Andy, I, my controller here at my home is connected to my local area network. So I have three computers, a printer, and a couple of phones that are on my network. So it's a real tiny network. But out in the field, have you seen some larger, you must have seen larger networks, local area networks. Yeah, you know, any, anywhere, the, anything that can be in, in between where the controller is located and the World Wide Web, there could be uh, one component, i.e. just your cable modem where it's plugged directly in. There could be Wi-Fi routers. There could be switches. There can be any number of devices that are in between the controller and the World Wide Web that could prevent that connection uh, from happening. Yeah. So in, in my, at my house, I am the network administrator. I'm the person that takes care of the network. So I manage the passwords. I manage the router. If I pay the cable bill all the, the, from, from my cable modem, I take care of all that. But as you move into those larger sites, there's going to be somebody else, an administrator that takes care of that. So that's kind of some, one of those big dividing lines is who's taking care of it. So as we get into those, into those networks, Generally, Ethernet and Wi-Fi on other sites, there's going to be a network administrator. So we'll, we'll kind of delve into those and look at uh, Ethernet and Wi-Fi connections for networks. So an Ethernet connection, one of the things that's kind of cool about all of our, all of, every single one of our controllers, and it's the base station 3200 or the base station 1000, the substation, the flow station, everything has an Ethernet connection port on the back. 
that's that RJ45 cable. It kind of looks like an overgrown phone cable. It plugs right in there, right? So we don't need any additional hardware. So I think that's a really um, powerful um, port that's on the back. Allows a lot of flexibility. Yeah, and I think, um, so it's important so, to recognize this too, Dan, because uh, as far as I know, we're one of maybe, we may be the only company that uh, is native with the Ethernet port on the controller, which really gives um, the end user the ultimate flexibility in terms of how they want to connect. So they can use our devices, Wi-Fi and cellular or Ethernet cable, or really any third-party device that is an Ethernet you know, technically a TCP IP connection, they could use um, that hardware to connect the controller. And it comes, I won't say yeah. free, it comes with the price of the controller. Yep, and a lot of that is because, you know, baseline is a, a specification grade um, irrigation controller. And in the design process, it's easy for uh, specifiers to um, specify that an Ethernet jack be uh, or an Ethernet cable be provided at the controller location on a commercial or an institutional type application. Mm -hmm. um, so with that there, we're assuming that, um, you know, a, an Ethernet cable is, is possible at the controller location. Right. Good point. Excellent. So Ethernet or Wi-Fi connections the, the, uh, on baseline controllers, they use the dynamic IP address by default. You can change it to a static IP address, but generally the dynamic IP address is, is going to be easiest. It's going to be that most plug and play um, where static, you're going to have to do a lot more interaction with it. The controller is calling out, and this is different than the server calling in. This kind of goes to our security levels. But probably the ultimate thing is that the controller requires an internet access. So if we can get the controller to the internet, we're uh, most of the way there. Now, Andy, what was your method that you used to, to um, verify that you have internet access? I kind of like this definition on it. Um, let's see, let me preface that by saying one, one thing that is important about how the controller uh, connects. Hmm. So you mentioned that the controller calls out. So what I want to do is try to illustrate uh, the way of the past, which originally was a phone number, right? So the reason we had a phone number was to know how to call that device by using that phone number. And then that migrated to a static IP addresses. And I'm not going to call out a static because we still use them. And a lot of network administrators want them for specific purposes. But the purpose of a static IP address, again, was to identify that device so you could call it. And when we say call it, it means get access from the outside coming in. And when we use a dynamic IP address, we've sort of flipped the equation around, if you will. And instead of the server calling the controller, the controller has some onboard uh, smarts, if you will, where it knows the address of the server. So the controller establishes the connection going out. And, and I think that is like the lead into requires internet access is that the controller needs to be able to visit baseline server. So in order to visit baseline server, it needs access much like if you were going to take your browser, which this is a great illustration and try to visit google.com. Mm -hmm. So if you were to think of that ethernet cable and you, instead of plugging it into the controller, you plugged it into your laptop, 
you need to be able to go to google.com without any other uh, security preferences like splash pages that require usernames and passwords and authentication. You need to be able to go out to google.com or in our case, the controller needs to be able to visit our server address. And if it has that capability, it's just about as simple as saying, press okay to connect and the controller goes out and it connects. Nice. Yep. No port forward required. So if, if we got to have an internet access, there, there's some things that might get in the way of connecting the internet. And before I, before we go into those, I want to ask Frankie. So if, if, if a, if a contractor or someone's standing in front of a controller that's connected over ethernet and they're not, con they don't have access to the internet, what, what are they seeing at the controller or what are they going to, when they call into support, what are they going to describe to you is, is what they're seeing? Um, so the, the first thing that they're going to see on the controller is the controller is going to either be stuck on call wait or pending on that run screen on the top right corner of the run screen. Mm -hmm. um, so first thing we'll have you guys do is just go over to the network side and under basement or server setup, it should populate the uh, IP address that it's getting from, from the network. Um, and if that's all empty, then that tells us right there that we don't have an internet connection. Uh, first thing would be to, that we would have to do is go talk to the IT person to see what's going on to start troubleshooting the, the connection. So, so essentially it's not, not connecting. They're not getting a, an authorization pin, but it's that it's that call wait or that, that base manager won't be green is this is the short of it. Correct. Or, correct. or progressing mm -hmm. on that. Now, Frankie, would that be similar to uh, this graphic here if we were plugged into a laptop where we can't visit google.com? So that call wait is sitting there like I can't access the server. I can't access the server. Co correct. Yeah, the call wait pending is just pretty much the controller reloading the page every single time trying to get a connection. Um, we're just not displaying this message that you get right now, but it's pretty much the exact same message. Okay. Cool. So probably the most common one that that would stop internet access is if you're connecting with Wi-Fi, you're connected to a Wi-Fi network, but you don't have internet access, right? Just because you're on the Wi-Fi network, like my laptop here was, actually I put, I cheated, I put it in airplane mode, but it couldn't connect to my Wi-Fi network and that's exactly what I got. I was, I correct that, I was on the Wi-Fi network, but my Wi-Fi was not connected to the internet. So um, that would be a real common thing that might happen. Um, the controller has to have this pin authorization and it can't do that if it can't connect to the internet. That's going to authorize that individual controller to have access to the base manager server. We could have problems with the firewall or network settings. Those are going to be issues that would prevent it from connecting to the internet. Could be the internet service provider has an outage that, um, you know, Comcast or I use Cox Cable or whoever it is, is not actually working right now. Could also be a password or network changes. Now, what I thought was kind of interesting is those last three things, they aren't anything that most of our, most of our customers can deal with, right? There's something that the network administrator or somebody else has, has to do. At my home, I take care of all of those three, but on a school, they're definitely not a contractor level issue. They're a different, different level issue. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'll, uh, I've got a little, uh, show and tell here. So this is an Apple Wi-Fi router and, um, 
you can be connected to this Wi-Fi router. Many of you may have experienced this in your own home. You can be connected to Wi-Fi. And when you look at your phone or your laptop, you may see those bars of Wi-Fi and it may look like you're connected to Wi-Fi because actually you are connected to Wi-Fi. You can be connected to the router, but you may still see a page like this illustration where you can't get to the internet. You can't get to google.com. You can't check your email. You can't get uh, out to the internet. And so it's important to distinguish between having Wi-Fi and having access to the internet. And in this case, if I turn this around, you'll see all it has is a power cord. There's no ethernet plugged in here. And so you can be connected to this device. It's powered up. My phone is connected to it. My computer's connected to it, but this is not connected to the internet. And so I had an incident uh, actually yesterday, just a basic support call where the individual was on their phone and they saw that they had Wi-Fi. They said, hey, I'm connected to Wi-Fi. Everything's working. I can't get the controller to connect. And what happened was they were connected to the router, but there was no internet on the other side of the router. So their ISP was down, but it looked like Wi-Fi was still up and running. Because the Wi-Fi was running, it just wasn't connected to the wide area network of the internet. Yep. Cool. So let, well, let's take a look at um, cell modem connections. So um, cell modem and the controller, I, did you guys figure out what the problem was with my cell modem? <laughs> a few problems there. I don't have my antenna cable and I don't have any field wire going in there, but um, cell modem can, can sit inside a, a controller chassis or it might sit down in a pedestal. And Andy, tell me about what, what your picture was here. What was going on with this? Yeah, so this is a real site picture. There's the baseline controller. And if you look around the controller, you can see it's inside of, first of all, a metal box, uh, thick gauge stainless, and the door is stainless. And then surrounding that is stone. And like most new construction projects, this was originally installed with a cellular modem. And I'm not sure at the time they knew exactly where the controller was going to be located. And so it had a cell modem on it. But as soon as you close the door to this cabinet, uh, we'd lose internet connection. So it was only connected maybe 10% of the time or if the door was open. And on this particular site, it's a high profile park uh, in New York City. They were, it's not a place where they wanted an outside antenna, where they wanted to either drill through that cabinet or through the stone and have an antenna on the outside. And so due to the flexibility, of course, by having that onboard ethernet connection, they were able to just remove the cellular modem and run an ethernet cable, uh, which you can see there in blue, into the controller. And the controller, first of all, just about knows no difference. It doesn't care. It's just looking to call out to our server. And so instead of con connecting to the server through the cellular network, we connected to the server through the local network. Cool. So now about the, the cell modem is it's very similar in that the controller is going to be calling out rather than the server calling in the same protocols. And we need an internet access, right? Um, it doesn't matter whether it's, as you just mentioned, doesn't matter whether it's a cell modem or ethernet. So before we go into those things that would stop that internet access, Frankie, same question. If that contractor's at this controller connected with the cell modem and it's not connect, connecting internet, what are they going to experience? What are some of the things that they're going to call you and say, this is what I'm seeing? 
Um, so same thing, the controller, you know, will have a state either call wait pending um, or off for, for base manager. Um, once we figure out that they're on a cell modem, we're, we're going to be looking at the lights on the cell modem. Uh, to make sure we have three green lights. Uh, if one of those lights it's not green, uh, most likely that's our issue. The, the cell modem's either not connecting to a tower or it's got very poor signal. Uh, and we just have to isolate between both of those and then we can you know, figure out why it's not connecting or get it to connect. Okay. Now we can't, obviously you can't tell what the cell modem lights are remotely you're going to have to go out to the controller to the cabinet and open it up and take a look at it correct that yeah any anytime we have a controller offline uh we do have to have someone be physically at the controller because uh either the controller is off or we might need a you know power cycle a cell modem or the controller depending on how it's connecting okay yeah yeah and again i'll, I'll stay this wasn't this 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 uh presentation is not about troubleshooting but it is important to to know that if your controller is gray and you're in your office or someone you're looking at and it's gray, it could in fact be powered down because sure. when the controller is powered down, it becomes offline and you get the same gray, you know, disconnected result. So the things that might stop internet access if you're using a cell modem is the cell modem hasn't been activated, right? So there's a cell modem activation form on the support page that needs to be uh, submitted and filled out before to, in order to activate your cell modem. Could be this poor signal strength, right? So in this one, obviously we close the door, we've got crap for as far as signal strength. Uh, could be some changes that the cell, the cell provider itself has made. So if AT&T Verizon has made some sort of change, that's going to impact it because these are third-party um, accesses. And then it could also be that the cell modem times out. So, Frankie, would you give us a brief description of what a cell modem timeout means? Uh, cell modem timeout usually just, just means that it wasn't getting a response from the server. So after a while, uh, it just stopped trying to connect to the server. Um, usually what fixes a cell modem timeout is just a power cycle, powering out for 10 seconds and then powering it back up. And then that gets everything communicating again. So what would be an example of that, Frankie? Is that something like um, it was connecting to Tower A and then Tower A is perhaps uh, down or it can't connect to Tower A, so it keeps trying, keeps trying, keeps trying. And then eventually mm -hmm. at some point it says, I don't want to try anymore. There's, a, there's no results and it goes to sleep. Is that essentially what a timeout means? It just stops? Correct. Yeah, it's it keeps trying to talk to the tower multiple times, and after a while, it just the the device just stops trying to communicate because it's not getting any any response from the. From so the then, server. by doing a power cycle, that's like waking it up again, so it goes. And it tries. keeps trying. Mm -hmm, yeah. Correct. Yeah, and and we see this quite a bit with um, poor signals, um, or right now that three uh, G towers are coming down. We've noticed a lot of cell modems go into the timeout stage. Uh, and when we power cycle them, they try to connect to a different tower. Okay. Excellent. And we want to make sure that Chris stays busy over there. So um, this is a good time to remind everybody, if you got any questions, put them in the Q and A and, and we'll catch them in a couple of minutes towards the end. Um, awesome. Thanks for that answer. Um, Andy, would you talk about building management systems and how this, how this integrates? Yeah, absolutely. So again, uh, we offer, so we talked about this before, but when we offer our localized version of base manager, we also offer what we call our uh, backnet manager. And 
as it relates to building management systems, there's two sort of most, no, most well-known brands out there, Johnson Controls and Siemens. And we get a lot of questions that come into us either through distribution or through contractors that have been asked, hey, can you connect the sprinkler system to our building automation system? And it's important to know that, yes, we can. Absolutely, we can connect it. We've built a custom uh, integration that we call BACnet Manager. And BACnet Manager is, uh, well, first, BACnet is the language that building automation systems use. And so when you think about BACnet Manager, it's essentially a translator that connects to our server, which is either baseline in the cloud or baseline local, takes the data out, makes it available for the building automation system. But it's something that lives on site on their network. So a building automation system is generally its own network that's separate from other uh, networks at the facility. It's the building automation or building management system network. And so we'll put uh, an application, and when I say we, I mean baseline. So when we do a backnet integration, uh, the baseline team is going to come on site to assist with this integration because it's really, at this level, it's, it's not an irrigation tool, if you will. It's really a, a, a piece of IT uh, that we're adding uh, to the platform. And so our engineer will come on site, uh, work with the IT uh, folks to install the BACnet manager. Uh, but that really opens up a, a lot of uh, opportunities uh, for us so that the facility individuals can also see this data that we're talking about. So when it goes back to the data, that information can be pushed all the way through to the facility uh, engineer. So they can look at things like water use, alarm statuses, uh, moisture data, and they can either just look at it and check the status or they can uh, put it into their own uh, UI dashboard and uh, start tracking it. So it's an awesome opportunity, but I like to preface that it is a baseline sort of uh, direct integration. We'll, we'll, we will work with you as the distributor and contractor to support that end user and come on site and integrate it with them. Wonderful. Okay. The Chris got any questions for us? Yeah, I've got uh, a couple. One uh, came in from David Martineau. He's uh, utilizing Ethernet radios to communicate to a, a hub location or a gateway location that's either cell or um, Wi-Fi. Um, and occasionally the radio controllers gray out and go offline. What is the cause of that? Who wants to take this one? Don't all jump at once. Yeah, thank you. We've got an Ethernet radio that's not connecting to a gateway. What's usually the cause of that? Uh, most likely a signal to the gateway. Um, so if we get a laptop out there, connect to the to the radio, we just probably want to see what the what the signal strength is for the upstream signal and noise. Um, usually we want those to be below 90. Anything above 90 has a, has issues connecting or staying connected for you know, a consistent amount of time. So. So, so to clarify that, that for me is the, we're still connected to the, the internet through that cell modem or whatever that other device is. It's we're not, the controllers are not connecting to that cell modem that, that's sharing the internet. 
So, so the actual internet connection is still there, possibly. Yeah, Ethernet radio could be a whole another Tech Talk Tuesday um, <laughs> in and of itself. Yeah. Right? It is an effective way, and we use it quite a bit to communicate to these network locations where we can access the internet. Mm-hmm. Okay, another question uh, is regards to uh, 4G. Um, with 3G towers coming down, 4G is going to uh, uh, replace that. What, what's the time frame on 4G? Andy, you want to take that? Is it, is it necessary to jump to 5G? Well, uh, so first it's important to define 4G and LTE as long-term evolution. And so a lot of the IoT devices that are uh, out there and still being uh, built, engineered, invented, manufactured, are built on top of LTE as the long-term evolution. Uh, in regards to 3G coming down, uh, wish we had a crystal ball, wish AT&T could tell everybody or Verizon, hey, tomorrow at 1 p.m. we're taking down this tower, just like to let you know. But unfortunately, that's uh, not the case. And so you may have towers that work for two or three years and you could have one that stops tomorrow. It's just an unknown uh, data point. Yep. But 4G is intended to be supported for a number of years going forward. We can't always say the number of, but uh, long-term evolution means that uh, they're going to be supporting that 4G platform for a long time. Yeah. Very good. All right. Um, we are at our time limit. So what's uh, up next for next Tuesday? Next week, we're going to be talking about weather access. Weather access. Excellent. How to configure a controller to use weather data as a smart uh, watering solution for conservation purposes. So we're uh, looking forward to that. We appreciate your participation and uh, hopefully you are enjoying Tech Talk Tuesday. Look for it on YouTube channel, and we will uh, see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Have a good day. Take care now. Bye now. That's going to wrap it up for today. Thanks for joining us. If you would like to participate in a live Baseline Tech Talk Tuesday, you can register at BaselineTechTalk.com. That'll provide you with all the information that you need to know to join us live on Zoom every Tuesday at 1 p.m. So again, I think that's going to wrap this episode up. Thanks so much for tuning in. And until the next episode, happy sprinkling, and we'll talk to you then.